You are listening to So You Want to Read Tolkien, a podcast that goes through each of J.R.R. Tolkien's main works, chapter by chapter, and discusses them in a most ridiculous manner. One does not simply walk into Mordor. I would cut off your head, dwarf, if it stood but a little higher from the ground. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? Yeah, Till at last I threw down my enemy and smote his ruin upon the mountainside. What's happening out there? Shall I describe it to you? Or would you like me to find you a box? Now, don't be hasty, Master Miriado. Is this new devil Hello and welcome to So You Want to Read Tolkien. We are reading book four, chapter three. The Black Gate is closed. I'm Caitlin and I'm on like my third glass of cider. So this will be a lot of fun. I'm Rachel and I'm trying futilely to keep Caitlin and Emmy on track. I'm Emmy, and I don't know where the track is anymore. I think Rachel needs to find the fun. I thought I was supposed to be the weird one. Okay. What? Emmy has always been the weird one. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're saying, Rachel. <laughs> I can't tell if I'm, like, blessed or offended. You should be complimented. I'm the only one who does Gollum voices. We did not have a Gollum off in the last episode which yeah. i practiced for i did not practice for it nor did i practice for the one in this chapter but i think it's gonna say in that 10 minute break <laughs> you're like beautiful everybody's was better than me you got that flum up there yep. <laughs> did you hear me cough to acquire it it was carefully cultivated i mean i do have a beer and i drank it to encourage the phlegm yeah <laughs> We did. Lubricate the old pipes, as it were. <laughs> Lubricate or not, you know, as it goes. Lubricate the old pipes. Let's okay. move on. Characters. <laughs> do we have to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After that, yes, we do. <laughs> Rachel. Um, so, yeah, uh, characters in this chapter are pretty much what you'd expect. We have Frodo making his way toward Mortar, walking <laughs> fast. Faces past. Faces past. And in the homebound. Uh, Sam is reluctant, but we'll go anywhere with Frodo, including into Mordor. And we have Smee Gollum, the man mm. with the plan, but that plan is not going to Mordor. Hmm. Which leads us neatly into our short summary. The trio reaches the gate of Mordor, and they have a lengthy discussion about their options while sitting in front of it. It is just as boring as it sounds. So worried about not being found, and they just yep. sit there. They're just chilling. You know, I actually like this chapter, but literally all they do is have a very lengthy geography-based conversation while just sitting in front of them gates. <laughs> it's Waiting very strange. Yep. All right, so let's get started. We start off with a geography and history lesson of the lands of Mordor. We learn that it is completely walled in by mountains. There are plains and an inland sea within it. Basically, it's the size of a country, which is actually bigger than I usually picture it. I'd completely forgotten that there was, you know, a sea, which I guess is like the size of a lake, but it's saltwater. But still, that's that's big. Mm -hmm. We're just so worried about getting there that we never think about being there. 
Yeah, and that no matter where they go in, they're not going to like end up right next to the volcano all handy dandy. They'd need Eagle's Ex Machina for that. Yeah, more on that later. So what we call the Black Gate was originally built by the men of Gondor to guard Mordor from Sauron ever coming back to it. But after a couple thousand years, they slacked off and Sauron came back and is now using their architecture against them. I totally wonder what was there when Sauron first took up residence in Mordor in the Second Age, like how he kept people out. I assume there was like a gap in the mountains still. So there must have been something there keeping people from just walking Mm -hmm. in. Might have just been orcs. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and interestingly, it's it's around the gate is like two towers known as the teeth. And this is yes your other possibility for what the two towers are. Yes. Right. There's so many towers. St- straight up, it's like the two towers guarding Mordor. Like, oh, huh. Yeah, they're there. Turns out the cover art for the last decades have been wrong. Maybe. No, I, I think I've had one that's like a ring wraith sitting on something that could possibly be the Black Gate. Yeah. And a fell beast, you know, like a ringwraith and a fell beast, not just not just a ringwraith hanging out, <laughs> hanging swinging out. his legs. Yeah. Oh, please draw Sitting that there, somewhere. Having a good time, drinking a beer, or a cider, as it were. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so as the trio approaches this gate and finds a nice little hole to hide themselves in, the hobbits begin to realize it is pretty much hopeless to get through, but they have no other choice. Sam says his old gaffer always knew he'd come to a bad end, and this is about as bad as it could get. But the way he says, "Go big or go home." <laughs> That's that's a good point, actually. Uh, the way he says it, he just very obviously misses his old gaffer and wants to be back in the Shire. Uh, Gollum says it's no use, no point in coming here. Sam very unfairly asks him why he brought them there then. And Spiegel very obviously says because Frodo asked him to. <laughs> a fair point. Frodo, in a very defeated way, says they have to try to get in as it's what they came all this way for, to get into Mordor. So they got to try. Uh, Smeagol tries to stop him by saying, no use that way, no use. Don't take the precious to him. He'll eat us all if he gets it. Eat all the world. Keep it nice, master, and be kind to Smeagol. Don't let him have it. Or go away. Go to nice places. And give it back to little Smeagol. Yes, yes, master, give it back, eh? Smeagol will keep it safe. He will do lots of good, especially to nice hobbits. Hobbits go home. Don't go to the gate. I didn't do a voice because I wanted people to get the words. Sure. Now do it again. That's why you didn't do the voice. <laughs> no, I mean, that's I absolutely only did the voice in bits where I could. Um, anyway, I, yeah, I think one, not very subtle, Gollum. No, at not all. at all. But I also like that, like, his image for what Sauron will do with the ring is eat everything. That's why I put it in, because I did like that. that all the nice. fishes. He will eat them all. <laughs> so, okay, at the time, I thought it was appropriately kind of disturbing, but now it's just continuing this theme of Gollum sees the world through food. Very Hobbit of him. Um, so Sam is just sort of sitting there thinking that he'll stick with Frodo no matter what, as that's what his mission was. While Frodo's like, I gotta go in and destroy the ring, Sam is like, I'll stick with Frodo, so that's, I'll go where he goes. And it's very interesting how they're doing the same thing, but for two very different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, But then suddenly Gollum pipes up and says, there's another way they can go. Frodo asks why Gollum didn't mention this before. Because he's a bad Uh, tour guide. (laughs) I think very fairly, Smeagol answers that he was not aware that Frodo meant to enter Mordor. His instructions had been to bring them to the Black Gate, and he did so. Okay, that's true. But Smeagol promised to not let him get the precious, him, capital H, and he will if Frodo goes this way. But there is another secret way. Sam has his doubts about this plan. 
And I'm going to read a bit here. Sam frowned. If he could have bored holes in Gollum with his eyes, he would have done. His mind was full of doubt. To all appearances, Gollum was genuinely distressed and anxious to help Frodo. But Sam, remembering the overheard debate, found it hard to believe that the long-submerged Smeagol had come out on top. That voice, at any rate, had not had the last word in the debate. Sam's guess was that Smeagol and was that the Smeagol and Gollum halves, or what in his own mind he called Slinker and Stinker, had made a truce and a temporary alliance. Neither wanted the enemy to get the ring, both wished to keep Frodo from capture and under their eye as long as possible. At any rate, as long as Stinker still had a chance of laying hands on his precious. I mostly just end up whispering when I do a Gollum voice. That's okay. Gotta commit. I do. I don't do it on purpose, though, so I don't know. (laughs) So he's also sure that Gollum would not even be pretending to be helpful if he knew that they were planning to destroy the ring. He also thinks that Frodo is too soft-hearted. Um, can I just say that Sam giving mm-hmm. Gollum two more names, so Gollum now has four names, is like a straight-up Tolkien move there. He just had to find a way to cram yep. more names onto this character, <laughs> as if his burden wasn't already heavy. I kind of like Slinker and Stinker, though. <laughs> They're super mean, They've but got a good alliteration. also funny. They're yeah. hilarious. Uh, Frodo takes a while to think about all this and stares around while he does so, which just means we get more geography. Uh, mostly unimportant, except Frodo notices an army approaching the gates. He has a brief- they've been paying so much attention. <laughs> I guess it's still, like, foggy and shit. I, I don't even know why they don't see it as clearly, but he's like, yeah, he just needs some spears and stuff. I don't know. Um, he has a brief moment of hope when he thinks this might be an army from Gondor, but then realizes it isn't. It's an army of men coming to join Sauron from the south. And we have our first actual bit of casual racism in here, but I didn't mention it. It'll come up later. Mm-hmm. Hang on. I wanted to... Because he said he'd seen a vision from upon Amon Hen, right? And that was what... I don't remember what that vision was. I meant to grab a book and pull it up because... Well, oh, that's when he has got the ring on and he's sitting in the in the chair, right. the far seeing chair. Right. But what what did he actually I do think he like zoomed in on like armies approaching Mordor. Right. And I think the idea is less that he thinks now, but he thought then that they were armies approaching for that reason. You mean then he thought they were from Gondor or then right. he thought they and were now, from Gondor? And now he can see like no, like, oh god, I'm stuck here before this gate and I truly see that there is no hope. Oh, um, but before, because right, just uh, he remembered his vision from afar upon Amon Hen so few days before, though now it seemed many years ago. Then he knew that the hope that had for one wild moment stirred in his heart was vain. Uh, so I don't know if that's like now or then, but so I thought how I personally interpreted this, and you might be right, I might be very wrong, was that he had hope just then, but then he remembered that he saw the like evil armies of men approaching. Mordor in his vision, and that killed his current hope. That's how I interpreted that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I don't remember how it was described. Hang on, let me grab my book and see. No, you know what? I think that sounds about right that he heard armies approaching Mordor here and thinks for a second that it's on the side of good. And then he remembers because it's all about, um, he says, but everywhere he looked, he saw the signs of war back in the breaking of the fellowship uh, and the misty mountains crawling like anthills, etc. And from the havens of Harad, ships of war put out to sea, and out of the east, men were moving endlessly, swordsmen, spearmen, bowmen upon horses, chariots of chieftains, and laden wains. All the power of the Dark Lord was in motion. Look, um, and there's a good description of them that doesn't have racism. Mm-hmm. Um, and he even looks into Gorgoroth, the Valley of Terror, and the Land of Mordor, and I think sees Gorgoroth and says, is my favorite name. 
It's so good. The Valley of Terror, Gorgoroth. Oh, so mm. good. Way better than Mount I mean, Doom. <laughs> I don't know exactly where Tolkien draws the inspiration for the Mordorian names from, um, but obviously I think it's meant to invoke like Golgotha type mm. sentiments, Bars. right? At least. I don't know why the Valley of Terror seems so much better than Mount Doom. It's pretty much the exact same name. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because at the end of that paragraph is explicitly this line, all hope left him. Yeah. And so then here he comes back and it's like, oh, hope left him again. So yeah, he remembers seeing all of the crawling armies of Sauron. And now here he is confronted with not only Sauron's, you know, terrifying gate, mm. fortress <laughs> gate. Yeah. But also then with just the extent of the armies and powers he has at his command. So what you're really saying is Caitlin was right. Caitlin was right. I was wrong. And Frodo's fucked. <laughs> I was, was going to read a bit from the book about this, but I think we just kind of covered it with Frodo's <laughs> fucked. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yep. So after having all hope leave him again, uh, Frodo has this great, great bit where he talks to Smeagol. And I'm going to read it because no sum up would do it justice. Smeagol, he said, I will trust you once more. Indeed, it seems that I must do so, and that it is my fate to receive help from you where I least looked for it, and your fate to help me, whom you long pursued with evil purpose. So far, you have deserved well of me, and have kept your promise truly. Truly, I say and mean, he added with a glance at Sam, for twice now we have been in your power, and you have done no harm to us. Nor have you tried to take from me what you once sought. May the third time prove the best, but I warn you, Smeagol, you are in danger. And then Gollum says some stuff. And then Frodo says, I did not mean the danger we all share. I mean a danger to yourself alone. You swore a promise by what you call the precious. Remember that. It will hold you to it, but it will seek a way to twist it to your own undoing. Already you are being twisted. You revealed yourself to me just now foolishly. Give it back to Smeagol, you said. Do not say that again. Do not let that thought grow in you. You will never get it back but the desire of it may betray you to a bitter end. You will never get it back. In the last need, Smeagol, I should put on the precious, and the precious mastered you long ago. If I, wearing it, were to command you, you would obey, even if it were to leap from a precipice or to cast yourself into the fire, and such would be my command. So have a care, Smeagol. I love Frodo. So it's funny, I had just been reading a really interesting discussion of basically this exact bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Although it actually was talking just about later, which we'll get to what happens, you know, when they finally make it to Mount Doom. Mm -hmm. But it made me really notice this, uh, and especially in comparison to in the last chapter, uh, where I brought up how Frodo, for the first time, commanded Gollum. Yeah. And it's pointed out that, you know, so way back in Lorien, Galadriel had said, you know, what, you know, what, why can't, um, Frodo see all the others and know the thoughts of those that wear the other rings. And Mm -hmm. Galadriel says, you have not tried. Only thrice have you set the ring upon your finger since you knew what you possessed. Do not try. It would destroy you. Uh, Did not Gandalf tell you that the rings give power according to the measure of each possessor? Before you could use that power, you would need to become stronger and to train your will to the domination of others. And just, just, you know, like four pages ago, Frodo, for the first time, actually wields his mastery over someone as the master of Gollum. And now, just a few pages later, he basically says, you know, 
I'm not, but if I if I were, and he's he's sort of laid that grounds of him having the ability to command Gollum, mm-hmm. and in that case, it wasn't the ring, but I love the idea of the ring has already mastered you, and so if I master the ring, master the ring, or use or the ring, even just least. as I as also your master and use it right, then I will be able to wield utter dominion over you, and even you know, such as to. Uh, Cast yourself into the fire. Yeah. Scary Frodo so, moment. Quite yeah. a bit. Which I love. And it just, yeah, super scary and, you know, good foreshadowing of what may or may not be to come. But I found it really interesting to just see, yeah, the juxtaposition right after that bit of Frodo having to command Gollum. I do also really like that Frodo just is shown to not be naive at all about Gollum. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the movie, he was so willing to just trust him. But here he's like, no, if you if you fuck us over, I'll fuck you up. Mm-hmm. And that's that's that. Right. And even Sam is like, this is a creepy side of Frodo, but Sam's into it. <laughs> <laughs> so into it. I definitely read the same post, Rachel. But Sam is also happy that Frodo isn't too trusting, but also a little taken aback as he'd always thought Frodo was very kind, but kind to the point of being blind. And this showed that he is not. And by Smeagol's reaction to the threat, it is clear that he thought the same. That Frodo Mm -hmm. sort of trusted him blindly. But now Frodo's like, nope. Yeah. And I think it's one of the good things we kind of get from the fact that it's mostly from Sam's perspective. Yeah, that's true. Is, you know, we a lot happens to Frodo in the space of, you know, like the week it's been Mm -hmm. since we last got his perspective alone on Amonhan. And now, you know, we're, we're not getting the sort of all of the thought processes behind I would what he's be doing and how he's really feeling. I would be interested in what he is thinking here, though. Mm-hmm. Like, what, like if he's just totally into what he's saying or if he has some regrets about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. I am curious. But also buried in here, there's a line about how Sam has always thought Frodo to be the wisest person alive, except maybe, maybe Gandalf and Bilbo. And I love that about Sam. <laughs> it's great. I also really like how Sam is shown to be the naive one here in the group. Like, he's met these thousands and thousands of year old elves. And, you know, Gandalf's a demigod, but he's still like, no, nah, Frodo's probably the wisest person alive. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's a little naive and a little bit just like the type of wiseness that matters to him. That's true, actually. As I was saying that, I, th- I did just think, I guess wise doesn't necessarily translate n- into, like, the amount of knowledge a person has. Or mm-hmm. common sense. So right. He, and is it... Yeah. Yeah. Breadth of knowledge, depth of knowledge, common sense, just a good friend. <laughs> and But like how you interpret mm-hmm. knowledge and blah, 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 blah. I don't right. really get too deep into this, but it is it is a good look, I suppose, into the, their relationship there. Yeah. Well, of course, knowledge and worth and power for wiseness. Mm-hmm. Right. What What does wiseness have to do with power? Because... Of course, here we are talking about Frodo gathering power. Yeah, and hopefully he's wise enough to use it mm-hmm. well. I mean, I talk a lot about how Frodo's my favorite and like down with Sam, but Sam's like, oh no, he's like my fourth favorite. <laughs> I remembered the other hobbits. I do love Merry and Pippin. I do too. I'm sorry, they're my favorite mm. hobbits. Yeah, that's 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 fair. They're hilarious. You wouldn't call them wise. No, no, no one has ever but- accused them of that. But they also, but they're very good. Right. They're very good. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's not necessarily like making this statement, but 
in some ways the fact they're not wise enough to seek power. Yeah. Yeah, even when, when Pippin looks into the plantier, even then he's just like, I, I don't know what's going on. You know, like like he doesn't have mm-hmm. enough worldly knowledge, you might say, to betray them. He's just like, right. oh, I don't know what's happening. I'm a hobbit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love them all. Just fine. Just a whole bunch of goodness. I think like Frodo's my favorite, and then the other three are tied, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think mean, that's fair. They're all good hobbits. Yeah, they are. So Gollum then proceeds to explain uh, the other way they can take. They can take a road that climbs upwards and will bring them to a scary dark tower that when he was young and still living with his people, whoever they were, uh, Smeagol heard stories about, a tower built by the men of Gondor that was silver and white, silver and white, and in it there was a stone like the moon, and he calls it the Tower of the Moon. Frodo realizes he means Minas Ethel, which was built by Isildur, the same dude who cut the ring off of Sauron's hand. And just that dude. Yeah. There are now terrible things living in the tower, orcs and worse. The silent watchers are mentioned, and they see anything that goes by on the road. Sam really doesn't see her walking all this way to a different evil tower is going to help them. Uh, Colm says that near the tower, which we know is Minas Morgul now, uh, there's a path up into the mountains that leads to a stair and a tunnel through the mountains into Mordor. And since Sauron considers those lands his, he doesn't pay attention to them as he thinks it will take like a big battle for anyone to get into those lands so they can be sneaky sneaky. Uh, I mean, it's mm -hmm. fair. Gollum says he escaped this way the last time he was in Mordor. Frodo points out that Aragorn had been sure Gollum had been set free, not escaped. He also asks if the tunnel is guarded. Gollum is sullen at hearing the name of Aragorn and says it might be guarded as there are no safe places in Mordor. I don't know what the heck happened there. There are no safe places in Mordor, but it's either go through there or go home. The narrator then tells us that the name of the tunnel is Kirith Ungol, and I read this chapter, or I went over this bit twice, and the first time I read it, I thought Gollum was telling Frodo that it was called Kirith Ungol, and I was like, Frodo would know what Ungol means, it's a Sindarin word. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it wasn't, it was the narrator telling us, so yep. they don't know the name of it, so it's and fine. And we remember what Ungol means because of our good friend, Ungoliant, who was a giant-ass spider. <laughs> the best giant-ass spider. So it's possible that Ungol means spider. Maybe. In fact, it super does. <laughs> so yeah, the narrator also gives us a little side about Gandalf and Aragorn at Isengard, just having recovered the plantier. So now we have our timelines all synced up again. Frodo tries to think of what advice Gandalf would give him, but doesn't think Gandalf ever went to Mordor, so cannot think of it. He then has a little pity party. Oh, so he just sort of thinks, uh, this was an evil choice. Which way should he choose? And if both led to terror and death, what good lay in choice? Which I just, I just like Mm -hmm. when you've got like a choice, but it's a shitty choice. Yeah. So the trio sits around for hours, still in front of the black gate, just in like a little hole, not, (laughs) not even hidden, really. This seems like a piss poor choice, but whatever. Uh, Thinking things over for a while. They all notice a change when a black, when the black riders come out to search for them. Sam isn't too worried because he remembers they can't see well during the day. Frodo points out that their steeds can see, and these new flying ones probably have pretty good eyesight. They then notice more men approaching the gate, and the casual racism returns. It's uh, so great. However, did we live without it? It's so great that all the men working for Sauron, all the human people working for Sauron, have dark faces. Because, of course, all the evil people must be dark-skinned. Whatever. Yeah. (laughs) 
I'm not even going to read the description because it's all just very stereotypically like with like the face paint and the gold and the blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. And lots of earrings and jewelry and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it's terrible, but evil humans. And they all come from the South and aren't like, I don't see how there aren't whatever. I guess being descended from Numenor just makes you inherently good. Obviously. Which we all know that. like BS to me, but especially since originally, like, or not originally, but like, there were some bad people in Numenor. I mean, mm-hmm. ostensibly they all drowned or died when the island went down. I feel like they probably would have died before they had a chance to drown. But um, I think it's like the classic, what, Easterlings and stuff, because right, the- Yeah, the um, Haradrim. Sons of, you know, Huor and them and all that. I don't remember who was the ultimate. Beor was the- Pharaoh was father. father of, like, the grandfather of Baron or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, and, like, they talk about, like, the Beornings or... <laughs> oh, right. The Goodens, right? It's just, yeah. I-, I get that, like, this is supposed to be the men who didn't help the elves mm-hmm. in the war, but, like, the elves were fucked up back then. So maybe the humans were just like, we don't want to get involved with, you know, a god, a war against a god. We're just going to stay over here and mind our own business. And that seems perfectly fair to me. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, you don't even have the excuse of being like the elves who didn't go see the trees and have, you know, mm-hmm. this shown directly to them. It's like, no, we just didn't trust these random elves who are busy fucking everything up. And, and even, cool. even the gray elves or, and, you know, that didn't make it to, to Eldemar were they mostly wanted the Noldor to fuck off anyways. <laughs> You know, they outlawed their language, told them what lands they could have, all this shit. So I don't really see how that inherently makes humans evil for not joining in and why it's all the dark-skinned people. But I mean, I get that. I suspect that Tolkien didn't think to himself, dark-skinned people are evil so much as, oh, they come from this southern hot place. They would be dark-skinned and they are evil. But it's still real shitty. Yeah, either that or just... Writing in what the troops are. Institutionalized and, racism. Well, it's being. Not thinking. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Even, even if he's someone who's supposed to, you know, be reading deep into literature and stuff and examining it, you still kind of just fall into it sometimes if you don't. Yeah. Just because you're progressive in one is about, way doesn't mean you're progressive everywhere. And if you're not paying attention. Indeed. Yeah, and there's something to say for him being like a stodgy old white British scholar. Yeah. You know, I'm sure he's got prejudices. His world was very he small. He didn't even know about necessarily. Well, the th- I don't know, having also been a soldier in World War I, I think there's a good potential for his world to not have been that small. But I don't know how much of that he just chucked aside or buried. It's, I don't really know that much about his personality. No. And mm-hmm. we would know more about his life if we watched the obviously very factual biopic, Tolkien. <laughs> I genuinely don't think we would, Emmy. I don't think we would. And in fact, like, I know a lot of facts about his life. I, I don't know much about his opinions on racism or colonialism or anything like that. Well, and for all that he wrote prolifically, it wasn't like writing memoirs and treatises on his own thoughts, right? Mm, he does have some, like, letters and stuff, but it's all mostly how, what he thought about literature yes. and, mm-hmm. and words and that sort of thing. Anyway... If you guys find things, let us know. Yeah. Somebody should call up his family and ask them. I'm sure they would totally tell you. Yep. Because they're not super private and a little close guarded. But still, having a Anyways. very famous father must be so annoying. Ugh. Anyway, sorry. We're moving on now. 
It's a shitty bit. Um, so Gollum describes these armies a bit, and he thinks they came up out of the south from beyond where the Great River ends. And that's uh, really all we get about facts about them. But Sam has an abrupt change in mood and quickly and eagerly asks Gollum if he has seen any Oliphants and recites a little poem about them to explain what they are. I do not personally enjoy this poem, but if either of you two do, you will feel free to recite it here. <laughs> I just kind of find it delightful. I guess, I don't know what it is about it, but I'm just like, why is this here? I don't, I don't like the poem at all. I mean, it's, it's kind of a mediocre poem, but it's sort of like a, it, in, in some ways it makes me think of the um, Ents listing of the creatures. I guess, but it's we sort of only a- get like four lines of that. This is like a page. In my small book, at least. <laughs> but it's also like, I think he talks about it something that they would like, I mean, not but share around the fire or something is what it, at least what I've got from it. Stories it's like, that they would tell when they were kids. I get why Sam is excited. I just don't like this poem. Totally. But it does feel like it starts out in also like Gollum's fish riddle poem. Right. So I guess I'm going to read it. <laughs> Sorry. Gray as a mouse. I'm trying to put it to the same tune. Sorry. Egg is a house, not like a snake. Spare me. Oh, God. Sorry. You go. You go. I make the earth shake as I tramp through the grass. Trees crack as I pass. (laughs) With horns in my mouth, I walk in the south, flapping big ears. It almost works. Beyond count of years, I stump round and round, never lie on the ground. You try. Not even to die. (laughs) Um, Right, that first, one, two, four... 13 lines are all just sort of a there it's a what am i question right yeah um and then it says you know oliphant am i biggest of all huge old and tall if ever you'd met me you wouldn't forget me if you never do you won't think i'm true but old oliphant am i and i never lie and it's kind of silly in this chapter of them standing in front of you know the closed black gate trying to figure out what to do and where to (laughs) go while all these enemies approach maybe that's what bothers me that they're still in that stupid hole in front of the stupid gate, and suddenly Sam is like ten years old and being like, "Elephants." <laughs> also, we say hole as though it were very deep, even though they're hobbits. I'm not picturing a hole that's that deep. No, neither am I. It's, it's like a small they are not hidden gully. well. A divot, if you would. Yeah, they're really just hoping the edge won't. Yeah, you know, no one will look over the edge. I do um, feel like without their elven cloaks, they probably would have been found, especially mm-hmm. with them shouting terrible poetry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, it is mentioned that yeah, the old fireside rhyme makes Frodo laugh. But yeah, I, I just yeah, I like the idea of just a, it's the little children's guessing game rhyme. Well, after that very strange discussion, Gollum says he's never <laughs> seen any, and Sam is uber disappointed. And then Frodo's just like, "Yes, yeah, so we're gonna go with Smeagol to this other pass." <laughs> <laughs> like, well, it's putting aside the Oliphant. It's time for Kirithungle. Except not, because we've got some stuff to walk through before that. Oh, <laughs> takes so long Yay. to get there. Let's go meet some spider. First, we Eventually. have to meet my favorite human. Mm, my second Yay. favorite human? <laughs> mm, it's so hard. Go meet a good human. Go meet a good human. Good. Okay. Um. Next week's homework? Oh, sorry, did we have anything? No, no, no. I, I do. I'm sorry, I thought we had covered your thing, but let's, let's, sorry. Do it. let's nope, carry on. A different let's thing. Um, I have lots of things. <laughs> I contain fair. multitudes. Uh, <laughs> the thing that always gets me is that when they're like trying to figure out how to get into Mordor and like, here's this big gate that, you know, we can't go through. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Never once do they even mention the concept of just like trying to climb a freaking mountain. You know, I thought that too. But I guess if you just know, like, I have no concept of what makes mountain a mountain range impassable. Heights. Yeah, I, well, I'm, I'm sure it is, you know, and if you don't, if there isn't, yeah, some sort of passage already cut in there. But like, one, yeah, it may, maybe orcs have done that before. But just, just the idea of it, like, that's where I would be at least if I'm like, I don't know how to get into this place, but that gate doesn't seem like a good idea. So I'd rather die on the side of a mountain. Oh. <laughs> I know why, both in the fiction of the universe, that like they couldn't, it would go terribly. Um, and also in the like metafiction mm-hmm. of it, like that, it, that ruins the point of it. Just like having the eagles dump them there, <laughs> just climbing over a mountain. Um, yeah, but we never hear about these mountains being particularly yeah. high or like if the weather on them was impassable, we don't hear about that at all. So I feel like even without a tunnel or a pass, you could just sort of walk up. Right. They're just, they're there. They're surrounding it. But yeah, it's. Unless you say, you know, a circle of impassable mountains. Which Birdo had looked at them and thought, I could never possibly climb that. Because I have that song stuck in my head now. Making your way downtown? Climb every mountain. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. You did that to me. I'm not going to sing it. Our viewers. Our viewers? What? Our listeners don't deserve that. We're not singing it. Nobody deserves that song. It was like Roger and Hammerstein's Dark Days or something. Yeah. I'm sorry, the I hate R. the sound H. of music. The I like is really the 1997 Cinderella. I actually enjoy a lot of their musicals. I just despise the sound of music. Okay. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people feel that way. And everybody I know loves the sound of music. I enjoy the first half of it, and then I get bored by the time they're running away from Nazis for an hour and a half. That's, yep. I get bored pretty much right away. But anyways, <laughs> um, so next week's, oh, sorry, sorry, what are we talking about? The mountains. Yeah, like, why couldn't they just yeah. climb over the mountains? It doesn't make, like, it didn't even come up. Even just a very quick, why don't we try climbing over the mountains? Oh, no, that's impossible. Done and done. I'd have taken your word for it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, not even a mention. Maybe they can dig under the mountains. I feel like that would take a little too much time. Secret tunnel. Secret tunnel. Through the mountain. I don't know the rest of the words. Let's go for the secret tunnel. It's just secret, 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 secret tunnel. Okay. Thank you for clearing that up for me. I was doing something a little... I have Great something about moving but... a mountain, but I don't. It's not really super relevant, except it was also on Tumblr. That salmon photo could just cut a mountain out of their way. Yep, yep, with the power of love. <laughs> Did you see um, Molly? I can never remember her last name. Posted a comic recently about Sam arriving in the Undying Lands and Frodo going to meet him. No, no. So oh my link god! To it. And, and I was waiting at a bus stop, and I basically just started crying at this bus stop. It was pretty bad. I'll link you both. Oh, I've teared up already just thinking about it. Yeah. I don't I even particularly, well. I don't even like ship these two at all. But, and the comic goes into a shipping way. But even before that, I was like, oh, the friendship. Oh, anyways. I assumed it was Molly Ostertag because. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what other Molly? <laughs> yeah. yeah, obviously. It's so right. good. Anyways, okay. Homework for next week. Book four, chapter four of Herbs and Stewed Rabbit. Sounds delicious. I'm sure it'll be a good old time. Yum. If you are in the mood to support our podcast in a monetary way, you can do so at patreon.com slash so you want to read Tolkien. 
If you wish to support us in a non-monetary way, we enjoy ratings and reviews and subscriptions and all those sorts of things on your podcasting listening platform of choice. If you wish to get in contact with us, you can at to read Tolkien on Twitter. Our email is wanttoreadtolkien at gmail.com. And you can find us on Instagram at so you want to read Tolkien. We'll see you all next week for the previously mentioned chapter. I've been Caitlin. <laughs> I've been Rachel. I've been Emmy. Bye. Goodbye. See you next week. I was much less drunk for this sign-off.